shop at Walmart just about every day. It's right around the corner from my house. And I always use the self-checkout. There's one particular clerk who uh, I see there just about every time I go. I've been seeing her there for years. And she uh, first started working there when I was still in the wheelchair. And she would see me, give me a polite little, I thought, one of those pitying kind of hellos, like, hey, friend, how are you today? Of course, that's how I saw everything. I imagined uh, my whole world was, you know, self-pity and hatred and all this junk. And so that's what I saw. I got the pity. That's what I imagined up. But a very sweet lady. She, like I said, knew me for a few years before I was healed. Then I started going in there uh, on my own two feet. No wheelchair, no crutches. Uh, speeding along with the grocery cart and she said hi a few times and then one day she walked up to me as I was checking out and said uh, Mike what's your secret I want to know what what happened so as I'm standing there you know trying to self-check out which is hard enough you know to focus on get the beep right make sure it scans get in the bag and don't lock the system up anyway so I'm talking to her uh, as I'm checking out about the power of imagination, what I'm learning from Neville Goddard and his lectures and from my own study of the Bible and the power of faith, of uh, assuming the reality that your wish is fulfilled and dwelling in that state. So I didn't take long to tell her, just very briefly told her. I don't remember all the words I said, but... Uh, she said, well, why don't, you, why don't you imagine something for me? And I said, well, what? And she pointed at her foot. She'd, I'd noticed she was limping. She was telling me about a medical problem she had with her foot, uh, that she might need surgery. She's taking all types of uh, steroids and uh, other types of medicine, and nothing's working, and she's just miserable with the pain. She can't walk very well. It hurts to stand. And uh, so I said, okay, I will. And... I got out to the car and just very briefly, just a few seconds, just imagined seeing her in the store and her saying, hey, Mike, I'm, my foot is much better. I feel great now. Something like that. I can't remember exactly what I imagined her saying, but it was the, uh, what it implied was she was healed. And then I dropped it. I let it go. Uh, some time passes, maybe a few weeks. I see her in the store and she walks up to me and she goes, hey, Mike, look at this. My foot is much better. I, it feels great. She goes on, gushes about how great she feels. Um, and I didn't say anything. I didn't say, well, you know, I prayed for you. Yeah, well, to me, I did that because I didn't do anything beyond what anybody has the power to do that creative powers in all of us. So I just smiled, but I knew that she was healed because she didn't need surgery. She got off all the medicines that were making her groggy. Uh, she had no explanation for it other than she's feeling better. So some time goes by, months pass, and I still see her, you know, daily. Hey, how you doing? I'm not going to say her name, but 
she always comes up and says hi. And then a while back, she, she just looked down in the dumps, just miserable. And she started telling me about her, her house. Uh, she was living in a trailer and how it's full of mold and it's just a rental. She needs to get out of it. But she need, couldn't find a place to live. And, uh, and then she kind of jokingly said, uh, why don't you pray for me? Can you pray for me? to get a new house and I'm checking out and so I just decided right then as I'm checking out and I'm looking right at her I revised what she was saying instead of her complaining about her need for a house and how miserable she is where she is I just imagined her telling me she has the perfect place She's, she loves where she lives now she has the perfect house and it's right where she wanted uh, and it in our conversation before I did that, she did say where she wanted to live. I asked her, you know, what part of town? Is it this particular town you want to live in? No other town? And she was definite. No, I need this town, this small little town outside of where I live. It needs to be this one and in a good place, a good part of town. But it needs to be here because I like this town. And so... I just imagined a scene where she's standing there, right there with, at, as I'm checking out, her telling me, I love my house. I love it. And I dropped it. I let it go knowing that it's done. It's already true. Because what we assume to be true about ourselves and our experiences is what we experience in the physical world. Just like the Bible says, whatever you believe, be believing. Whatever you ask for in prayer, be believing that you've received it. And it's not just for ourselves, it's for others. It's in, in it for everything, uh, however we see the world. And now she didn't, it would have been cool if the next day she came in, you know, the next time I was in Walmart said, hey, Mike, I got my house. I got it. But she, she didn't. She actually complained a lot Every time I saw her, she complained about how she, how miserable she was. She just can't find a good place. Uh, she hates where she lives. And every time, I just lifted her up again in prayer, in imagination. And I didn't relive, uh, reimagine the scene where I that I initially done having her tell me that she loves her place. I just brought up the mood, that same feeling of doneness, that knowing inside of me that it's done. I know what I prayed for. I know that she's got it. And so I would just smile at her and I would tell her. Sometimes, honestly, I would just kind of nod and just like smile and not really say anything. Other times, I would take a moment and say, Steph, you're going to love your place. I know you are. Just encourage her. But I know that it's already done. And so anyway, today I'm in Walmart and I'm checking out and she comes running up uh, just to say hi. And then just casually uh, as a secondary thought, she said, oh, you know what? I, I have a house now. And it's, she told me where it was, and it's exactly the neighborhood she wanted. 
she's single, no kids at home, so it's the right size for her. And she said, it's clean, there's no mold, there's nothing in there, I, it's the perfect house, and I'm going to live there till I die. She goes, I don't ever want to move there, uh, from there. She said, and without all the mold and junk in the, like that was in the trailer, she said, I feel better than I ever have. I'm my old self again. I love this place. Uh, and that was pretty cool. I mean, I knew that it was coming. I wasn't surprised that she found the perfect place and it's everything she wanted. But it is cool to hear it, you know, to see that happen. And I, I didn't check in on her when I would see her. I didn't ask her, hey, how's that house hunt coming? How's, uh, you know, have you found the right place? I didn't ask. I didn't need to. If I were to ask would imply that I either didn't believe what I had already imagined. I didn't have faith in the prayer that I'd already uh, done months before or that I was fishing for a compliment from her. You know, usually when somebody makes sure they know, they want to make sure you know that they were praying for you. Uh, in my experience, it's because the person wants some little pat on the back or a thank you, some little bit of acknowledgement. I didn't want that. It is funny, though, during all this, at one point I remember... Uh, during her house hunt, after I'd already imagined her in the perfect house, she did come up to me one day, and oh, she was so cranky. She came up to me, and she goes, Mike, what, what's going on? I thought you prayed that I'd get a new house. What are you doing? <laughs> and she came to me like, it's, you know, why haven't I gotten it yet? I know you prayed for it. Why haven't I gotten it? And I just smiled at her, like, Steph. You got this. You have the perfect house. You're going to love it. That was a few months ago. The Bible talks about, uh, in uh, Matthew, I'm pull it up. I'm going to quote it right. Matthew 18, 21, uh, about forgiveness and praying for others. Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often should, I, uh, should my brother sin against me and I forgive him? as many as seven times. And Jesus says, I do not say seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, I, always, I was raised in church. Uh, and so that was always a weird one for us because I'd, we would ask that in Sunday school. What does that mean? You know, is that, what do the numbers mean? Why is it, you know, I don't like doing math to begin with, but so we have to do at 491 times, we get to kick their butts. Is that what Jesus is saying? I'm counting then. I'm keeping track. Uh, no, we were always told that it just means a bunch. It means you never stop forgiving. But Neville, in a number of his lectures, he talks about what that uh, means looking at the Hebraic letters and the number of uh, the values of those letters. And 70, the, the letter, the Hebrew letter, Ayin has the value of 70, and its symbol, its pictograph, is an eye. And Zayin is, has the value of a 7, so 70 and 7. And the, the uh, symbol for Zayin is sword. So Neville explains that 
whatever it is you want, whatever it is you're praying for, for yourself or for others, or for what seems like others, you fix your eye on it. 70, you fix your eye on it. And you stay fixed on your wish and living from its fulfillment as if your vision, your eye, is fixed with a sword. So that's where the 70 and 7 come from. You stay focused on that. You're, you keep your eye set on that. And, and so that's what I would do with the woman at Walmart every time she would come up and complain. And, and when she came up and, it, you know, what the heck are you doing? Why haven't you fixed this yet? I just lifted her up in imagination, in prayer, and saw her happy and felt the doneness of what I'd already prayed for, what I'd already imagined, that she has the perfect home. Unnumbered times. It's not a number, it's not 490, it's not, that's not, that's not what it has to do with. It's the symbol he's saying there, that you put your eyes on your wish fulfilled and you keep it fixed as if it's stuck with a sword. That's what you're gonna keep your attention on. Because Neville, in uh, Power of Awareness, in his book, Power of Awareness, talks about attention. That your attention is key. And that's why in the imaginal scenes that he talks about, creating a scene in your imagination and stepping into that scene, a first-person experience, that's because all of your attention is fixed and focused on that moment and what it implies, whatever your wish is, and its fulfillment. And in... Uh, the lecture, Christ is your life, Neville goes on to explain the 70 times 7, and he says, here we are being told to imagine until the eye is fixed, as though nailed with a sword. It may happen the first time, or it may take a thousand times to persuade yourself that things are as you desire them to be, and not as they appear to be. But to the degree that you are self-persuaded that you have done it in your imagination, will the outer world reflect its harmony? That's Christ is your life. I'll put a link in the description for that one. All things are possible to him who believes. And that's you and that's me. That's every one of us. We all seem different and separate. But God is in each one of us. So the differences just add to the texture of our experience here. This is feeling twisty.